Welcome to the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, my friend. Welcome, and thank you for joining me. I think you're going to like this one. I hope you like them all, but I really think you're going to like this one. This is all about why happiness is fleeting and what you can do about it. I know we're all supposed to be pursuing happiness, and many people think that they need to feel happy all the time. I don't know if many people think that, Um, but I'm here to tell you it's impossible. It's not even desirable to try and feel happy all the time because we have a lot of other emotions that can be useful when we feel them at the right time. Uh, For example, fear uh, is necessary, and anger can sometimes help us draw boundaries. Doubt is important when we don't have enough information, and I could go on and on. Um, I think you get it. But happiness is very important to our health. So I want to talk about why it's so hard to sustain. And I think about this a lot, but recently I was inspired by a conversation with a friend. And he had just celebrated his one-year anniversary with his girlfriend, Um, you know, deeply in love. They're a great match. And he said, I don't know what's happening, but suddenly I'm paying more attention to her faults and they're annoying me more. I said, ah, well, you're normal. That is what our brains do. They adapt to the thing that was once so incredibly happy-inducing, and we get used to it, habituated to it. And the actual uh, name that psychologists have for this is hedonic adaptation. Hedonic adaptation. All right, so it's also known as the hedonic treadmill because it's like you're going and going and you always get to the same place. And the idea is that good things will happen in our lives and they will cause us to feel happiness. And then we'll go back at some point, not in the too distant future, to a set point, our set point of happiness. And then something bad will happen to us and we'll get really down. And then over time, we will return back to our set point. And your set point is, well, according to some research by Sonia Lubomir, Lubomirsky, (laughs) easy for me to say, she found in her research that 50% of our happiness is in our DNA. It is passed down from our family. 10% of our happiness is derived from how we were raised, what the environment was like. And then the rest, the 40%, is within our control. We can increase or decrease our level of happiness that we inherited and, um, and were acculturated to. So a lot of other researchers have done research, and the numbers come out slightly different, but all about the same, that it's about 45% of our happiness is within our control. But we have to take control. Happiness doesn't just happen. And happiness is actually the result of uh, biochemicals in your body. So specifically serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and endorphin. And the thing is, these are short-lived. They happen, they get released, and then they dissipate. So we feel happy, and then we don't. 
We feel a sense of accomplishment, and then we don't. That is perfectly normal. So some of the most common examples of hedonic adaptation are people who win the lottery. Uh, research shows that they tend to go back to their original levels of happiness after the novelty has worn off, and now they have new challenges to be sad about and stressed about. Um, whether it's, you know, having to hide their identity or people begging for money or having to make all these financial decisions that they're not equipped for, who knows? But they go back to their set point. Same is true for people who suffer horrible accidents and become paralyzed from the waist down. Initially, it's extremely traumatic. But, you know, you check in with them a couple of years later and they have habituated to their situation. They've gotten used to it, and now they are back at their set point. We also know from research that novelty is part of hedonic adaptation. And the first taste of something, or the first scent of a flower blossom, is the best. And after that, you don't even sense it as strongly. The next, So it's best to eat small portions of delicious things versus mindlessly eating a ton of something sweet, because it's not making you happy anymore. All right, so we're going to talk about some more tips on how to keep happy. But first, I want to tell you about a book I'm reading that I absolutely recommend and love. I haven't finished it yet, but it sounds really boring, but it's a really fun read. Habits of a Happy Brain. Again, that's Habits of a Happy Brain. Retrain your brain to boost your serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and endorphin levels. And it is by Loretta Graziano Bruning. B-R-E-U-N-I-N-G. Loretta Graziano Bruning. Habits of a Happy Brain. So it's all about how to get more of these biochemicals. So let's talk about them. First, I've already mentioned they are fleeting. So, you know, the first time you ride a bike, and that first time when you ride a bike and nobody's holding on, and you realize I'm doing this on my own, holy cow, you've got some major serotonin going on there, some major dopamine. Serotonin is what we get when we feel proud of ourselves, when we feel like we've status. Dopamine is what we get when we feel like we have achieved something. So we get this huge boost of joy and the memory sticks. But then once we know how to ride a bike, it's kind of like getting from point A to point B. Now some people, including one client of mine, when they ride a bike, they can experience this rush of freedom and joy all over again. So it's never going to be the same though as that first ride or you know, your first bite of chocolate cake, that's the most delicious one. So then hand the cake over to somebody else. Maybe you can get three good bites, but the, your first one is definitely going to be the best. And of course, in relationships, well, your first kiss, that's the one that you're going to remember. That's the one that's going to make you, give you the most oxytocin in your body, which is the trust and connection um, chemical. And after that, the kissing might be just fine, but you're not as excited about it anymore. So if we don't work at it, we become habituated to our partners. Just like we might become habituated to our new car. It's not just the new car smell that wears off, it's our love and excitement for the car. Now you can generate this love and excitement, but you have to work at it. Or you're just gonna wanna trade it in and get a new car. So I suggest you lease if that's what you need to do. So even Olympic gold medalists, and maybe especially Olympic gold medalists, so we're talking uh, major serotonin here from the status of achieving a gold medal, but also dopamine. 
I mean, they have been working their whole lives, probably since they were the age of six, toward this moment. And I remember watching uh, a gold medalist win the slalom downhill, and I just thought, oh man, she's going to have a letdown tomorrow. <laughs> and I talked to somebody who was a former Olympic athlete, and she said, you have no idea. It is so depressing when you get home and you realize, now what? <laughs> I got this. Now what? Ah. So how do we keep that dopamine, which happens when we experience novelty or achieve a goal, when novelty is hard to find? And video games, video game designers, they know all about this. They give you levels and rewards to keep you playing so you get that sense of newness and achievement, accomplishment. So let's go and talk back about relationships because this is going to potentially ruin your relationships if you're not onto it and if you don't expect it. If you expect love at first sight to happen over and over and over again, you are in for a rude awakening. Love at first sight, if it even happens, is not a repeatable event. Falling in love floods us with oxytocin. It feels so good. All those butterflies in our stomach, I remember those when I was um, a young girl. Oh, and sometimes even now. It feels lovely. It can feel also a little disconcerting. And if we walked around like that all the time in that state of just awesome feeling of being in love, we probably wouldn't get a lot done. We'd probably be very distracted. So the trick to a long-lasting relationship is to, we're going to talk about a lot of tricks, but to not expect to fall in love every day, but to expect to love and to choose to love. I'm reminded of Wayne Dyer's comment that he wrote about. In one of, in Dr. Wayne Dyer, in one of his workshops, a gentleman said to him, uh, Dr. Dwyer, I don't know what to do. I don't love my wife anymore. And he said, well, what you should do is love her. <laughs> now, of course, some relationships are toxic and it is time to get out of them. But when we just decide somebody who hasn't changed, you know, that much from the person we met be before, otherwise, physically, they've probably aged, but we've just chosen not to love them anymore. We can also choose not to love ourselves anymore. So we have to work at that, too. Otherwise, you're going to be trading in uh, companions, just like we trade in cars. And now that's more easy than ever because of online dating and how it's made it even easier to see what might be out there. Who else might be more exciting for me? So I suggest if you're in a relationship, you definitely remove your accounts, and all your online dating apps from your phone. That seems like a no-brainer, but some people don't do it. Ah, bad idea. So a better idea than trading in your partner is to feel deep gratitude for your partner and your partnership. Imagine what would happen and what your life would be like without this person. And then you have to intentionally look for the good. So when my friend says, I'm noticing these things she does that are annoying, I said, well, of course you are. You're looking for them. You have to look for the things that you treasure, the things that are good. And then if you even voice those things to your partner, like, I just love the way you laugh. I love your smile. I love it when you take out the trash for me. 
Not only are you reinforcing your own gratitude, you are making somebody else feel better and feel loved, and you're increasing your oxytocin and possibly theirs as well. Oxytocin, as you may know, is the chemical released when mothers give birth. It bonds them and the baby to each other. And this protects children from being abandoned or neglected. And in tribal times, it protected us from ditching the tribe anytime someone annoyed us. And ideally, today, it keeps us from quitting a relationship or quitting a job when somebody says something that triggers distrust and a lack of connection. You don't have to do everything as a couple to feel trust and connectedness. You have to be a good partner to feel it. You have to be honest, loving, trusting, vulnerable. And here's a crazy idea. Your partner does not have to return the favor. They don't have to be as loving as you for you to stay in love with them and for you to be happy. Aristotle said, happiness depends on you. Now again, this doesn't mean that you have to stay in every relationship, but to expect that somebody is going to behave just like you magically and give you exactly what you want magically is unrealistic. They need to be loved in a way that is unique to them and they need to give love in a way that is unique to them. So make sure that you are not tying your happiness to somebody else's behavior because you are definitely going to be disappointed. By the way, I won't be surprised if you hear my dog soon because he is definitely disappointed in me that I am not paying attention to him and that I am talking into a microphone instead, but that's another story. In fact, I don't think my dog will ever adapt to uh, his love for me. This guy is very clingy, but okay. So <laughs> watch out for these thoughts you have about wanting somebody else to change because it's not your partner that makes you happy or unhappy. It is your thoughts about your partner. And we can get pretty petty as human beings. Like, oh, he only brings me flowers once a week or he brings me flowers too much. Silly things. Watch out for resentment because it is poison to you and to your relationship. In fact, when you notice it, put the focus back on what you can and will do, not what they should do. Now, one thing I want to say about um, being in abusive relationships. First of all, uh, you don't need to stay in that. You can still love somebody and not be with them. Um, you can still love somebody and not, and not like what they're doing. So the people who don't adapt to situations are people who in, are in abusive relationships. They don't bounce back to a set point. They tend to stay at a low level of unhappiness, and it's toxic to their health, and their stress levels are toxic to their health. So some behaviors are worth and necessary to dislike and resent, and the perfect time to resent somebody is when you are about to leave. Or the perfect time to resent a job is when you are about to leave. Because the whole grass is greener and regret concept is going to make you unhappy. You need to divest fully of whatever you're leaving and embrace your new situation. And these emotions, these negative emotions like resentment, and um, gratitude for the new situation will help you disconnect, whether it's a job or a new partner. 
A healthy relationship takes effort, but it's worth it. And the most important relationship is with yourself. No one person can complete you, and no one needs to complete you. You are complete. I've been suggesting that you watch what you think and say about other people and to other people. Now I want you to think about upgrading how you think and talk about and treat yourself. We constantly beat ourselves up. And this is, no, this is normal. This is part of where our brain trying to keep us safe, trying to keep us in the tribe. Uh, you know, for example, we may lose five pounds. I'm experiencing this personally because I gained weight during the whole saga um, of my illness. Um, I've noticed that I lost five pounds really, really quickly, and I'm kind of beating myself up about waiting to lose the next five, um, which is really silly. It's not necessary because you can achieve goals and you can accomplish, um, you can accomplish fantastic things without the weight of judgment and self-resentment and self-shaming. You have a choice. You can achieve greatness by telling yourself, I'm not good enough, and letting that motivate you. Or you can achieve greatness by telling yourself, I have infinite potential, and I choose to grow. I choose to better myself because it feels good. So managing your thoughts is a huge part of happiness. And before we end, I just want to give you some more tips, and these are for relationships or for yourself to increase your happy chemicals in your brain. One is variety. Do new things. Try new hobbies. Try new places to eat. Travel to new places. And to make the most out of your travel, plan the trip together to really increase the excitement that you feel about the eventual fate of travel. Practicing gratitude, which I've already talked about, is another huge way to increase your happiness and to get off the hedonic treadmill a little bit. And different ways you can do gratitude. You can, in the morning, uh, say what you're grateful for. At the end of the day, you can reflect on the day and all the things you were grateful for. You can set a reminder to send a text or an email to a friend or a partner to tell them how grateful you are to have them in your, in your life. The first tip I mentioned, variety, will help increase your dopamine because it's something new and novel that you can check off. And also possibly serotonin because you feel kind of cool that you did something new. And gratitude is so powerful, it will increase all of the chemicals in your brain. Serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, those three happy chemicals. And if you express the gratitude to somebody else, you'll be increasing the oxytocin they have for you as well. Gratitude helps us extend our accomplishments. When we savor what we've done, instead of letting it be fleeting and thinking about the future, now what? Uh, we feel so much better. And we don't take time to savor very often. We eat fast. We do everything really quickly. So some people keep a journal, and this helps them, especially if it's a gratitude journal. What did I do today? What was awesome about it? And really go back and relive it and savor and really feel deeply in your system and in your heart the gratitude for that situation. That will help you savor 
when we have a delicious meal that's taken all day to create, we don't want to just eat it quickly. We want to take small bites and really savor it. So another thing you can do, you can keep mementos. You can keep pictures of events, you know, travel events. Um, I am so silly. I have um, kept a medal, both for winning a dodgeball tournament and for... Um, who knows what it was called, but just participation, I don't know, for water ski in, um, in Cancun. So these were silly little things, and I was shocked by the dopamine hit I got. One of my teammates from the dodgeball team wore his medal for the next two days. It was ridiculous. We were like children. And it's rare that adults get that feeling, unless you're, in a profession, unless you're a professional athlete or you do um, amateur sports and you win games or you lose games. We don't get that feeling feeling very often. So it's not silly to keep mementos around to remind you of happy times and remind you of accomplishments, big or small, as long as they were important to you. And then, you know, oxytocin is not going to really happen in a big quantity from looking at Facebook or Instagram. But if you pick up the phone and you call an old friend and you hear their voice and you hear their laugh and you laugh together... Um, cry together, whatever it is, just connecting live with a person is an incredible way to boost your oxytocin. And you can also boost your oxytocin just by having chats with strangers. Um, I used to be really, really kind of shy and introverted. And then um, once I got over that, I just started chatting with people in line, complimenting people in line. They're genuine compliments. Um, if I see something, I just compliment it. And Checkers, they'll ask me how I'm doing, I'll tell them, and then I'll ask them how they're doing. I'm like, oh, thanks for asking. And sometimes they will really tell you how they're doing. And it's cool. I'm getting a little burst of uh, oxytocin. I hope that you will try any and all of these tips and let me know how they work for you. Before we go, I just want to let you know, as I sat down to record this podcast, I was noticing that I feel really happy. And I was thinking, what is it about this day? So first of all, it is a beautiful Sunday here in Oakland, California. Weather couldn't be better. Uh, I did a morning meditation. I actually let myself sleep in because uh, last night I uh, went out with an old friend. We went to a place I'd never been before. So I got a nice little hit of oxytocin to see my old friend and serotonin because it felt pretty cool. This um, club we were in was... Um, was something I'd never been to. So there was novelty, dopamine, and just that sense of, hey, I'm out on the town, which gave me a hit of serotonin. So I did that, and I let myself stay up a little later because I had a friend who was in crisis um, and texted me, and um, it was a problem with her dog, a pretty serious problem. And we connected, and um, it felt good to support her, so I got a hit of oxytocin, and then I connected with her again this morning just to see how things were. Um, I did a morning meditation this morning, like I always do, and felt peace and gratitude. I got some work done, including this podcast, which is going to give me a nice little dopamine hit that I did it. I hiked, which gave me endorphins and dopamine, because every time I hit a milestone on my hike, I have... Um, parsed it out into three sections. And every time I hit that section, I get a little hit of, yeah, you go. And every time I get to the top of the hill, I allow myself to feel really proud. 
Um, I made my bed, I did dishes, I did laundry, I got dopamine from checking all those off, and then I also just got serenity from having it all done and beautiful. Um, called my mom, so got a nice little hit of oxytocin there, and novelty. Well, I am about to go and listen to a salsa band that I've never heard before, and I'm going to go by myself, which is going to make me very proud of myself, and um, who knows? I'm probably going to do some social dancing, and maybe I'll get an oxytocin hit from a connection with somebody, but I think more so I'm just going to get um, dopamine and serotonin and maybe oxytocin just from being out in the people and chatting up with strangers and making a human connection. So that's just a pretty ideal, perfect day, and I'm very, very grateful for it. And when I get home, I'm going to try and savor it and eat something very healthy to help me check off the box and get a dopamine hit for having healthy habits that are helping me reach my goals. And um, yeah, so I hope you are crafting beautiful days for yourself, whether it's a work day or a weekend day, whether you're on vacation or whether you're at home. It's not the situation that makes us happy. It's ourselves and what we choose to focus on and what we choose to savor. So I thank you for being with me. I'm very grateful that you chose to spend your time with me. And I hope you got some good insights. And now go do something that makes you feel happy. Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.